How are you, mate? I'm all right, buddy. I'm all right. I'm here at the, uh, the bright lights of the Pirelli Stadium. Amazing. The nerve centre. The nerve centre. The, the, this is where dreams are made. <laughs> Colleague Box is a Derby-based gifting service that offers customisable, personalised gifts. Delivering nationwide, the gift boxes are ideal for companies to send to colleagues, prospects, suppliers or clients, or for individuals to send to friends or family. Choose from our collection or we can create a bespoke box based on your budget, brand, colours and logos. Colleague Box. Connect with colleagues wherever they are. Well, come on, Dan Robinson. A big week for you. We'll start with the uh, we'll start with the the brilliant news. But first of all, how are you? I'm very well, Blake. Your good self? Yeah, very good. Thank you, mate. Thank you for thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. Nah, thanks for having me. It's uh, it's an absolute pleasure, pal. And um, looking forward to chatting. A big week then. You're uh, at the minute. You're what's the title head of the academy at Burton Albion? Yeah. Academy manager. So head of academy, academy manager. Um, I look after all the players from eight-year-olds through to the first team. Um, we don't have an under-23, so we work off our pro phases under-18. Um, and then the lads from there, they've got to make the big jump up to the first team. But we've we've done all right over the last few years. We've had a few lads progress um, and, and jump in and uh, and contribute to the first team in, in League One. Um and obviously, when I started five years ago in the championship, so now I love it. Absolutely love the job. Um, great club to work for, and uh, yeah, it's exciting times at the moment. It is a brilliant result on Tuesday. Yeah, it was um, surreal. I still I was speaking to someone about it just before in the office about you know these these kind of things when they come along, um, they kind of stick with you for the rest of your life. I remember. As a scholar myself at Blackpool, I remember the FA Youth Cup matches like they were yesterday, and I can remember um, like the, the the kind of excitement of playing at stadiums, and for the boys to go to Southampton uh, and win one nil, unbelievable! It's, 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 an, it's an academy I look up to. Southampton, um, Matt Hale, their academy director, is a really good guy, and talking to him after is very complimentary of the way we played, and just to hear that from someone of a club of that size that produced the Walcotts and the Bales and the likes. Um, yeah, it's 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 great. And and to do it at St. Mary's as well, which for the boys, so travelling there on the team coach um, with all the first team um, food prep before and after, uh, they really, um, yeah, they were really treated and obviously they, they've made us all very, very proud with the way they played. Could you quantify it? Just how big a result is for people that won't get because for some people it should be two academy sides. What's the kind of gap between Southampton and, and the Burton Albion 18s? Well, Southampton's what is known as a category one academy, um, similar to Derby, Derby a cat one, and, and that's based on uh, facilities, um, budget, uh, staffing numbers, and often the size of the club. Um, so your Premier League clubs are typically cat one. Um, your championship sides, some of which are Cat 1, some are Cat 2, and then you filter down to League 1, League 2, where you become Cat 3 clubs. Uh, and again, it's just on the size of what you've got financially, um, but also what you, you've got staffing-wise as well. Um, so Southampton as a club, obviously Premier League club, massive football club, um, very similar, if you were to say, Burton's first team to play Southampton's first team. Um, as far as putting it into context. Uh, and, you know, there's players that were playing for Southampton that have done a bit of research on international lads um, playing for, for various international countries, lads that they've recruited from all around Europe, um, whereas we solely focus on local recruitment um, and the, I guess the, the released boys a lot of the time from the surrounding uh, Cat ones, you know, Derby's, Forest, your Villas, um, your Stokes. So we have those boys come into our program, plus the lads that progress through the age groups. Um, and we're, we're really chuffed that the team that played the other night uh, at Southampton 
there was at least half a dozen of those boys had come through from the foundation phase, the youngest age groups, uh, which which is a great sign of progress. Is it more difficult for, for Burton being a smaller club and then because of where you are, you've got Derby one side down the road, then you've got Stoke and then you've got Villa and the Birmingham clubs. To try and find talent to, to come into Burton, is it difficult with having being basically in the middle of the country and everything's around you? Yeah, it is, Blake. It has, a, it has its positives because what is good for Burton Albion, as in a, a player from a recruitment point of view, might not be what one of the clubs like the clubs you've mentioned would be looking for. Um, we all clubs recruit, they're looking for the best players, but we have a big emphasis on character. We have a big emphasis on players' attributes. So um, all through the ages, if they show a sign of something that we feel that we can we can develop, um, be it any of the four corners, so something to do with their physical side of the game, something to do with their technical, tactical knowledge and, and ability, um, even the mentality, boys who, who who show a real desire to win and a, 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 I guess a competitive attitude. We might have a lad like that that may not be as technically gifted as another lad and therefore don't get picked up by a big club, um, but we would work with them and, and see where they got to. So uh, it is difficult because yeah, we're, we're a small fish in a big pond um, with some big sharks. Um, but at the same time, as I say, it does work in our favour as well, where we, we do um, take advantage of the lads that uh, become available from clubs. Is, it, is there more of a reliance on having to produce uh, academy uh, products to get into the first team at a smaller club because you've not necessarily got the budget of a Derby County to go and buy? So you, the, the second thing would be to look to the academy, isn't it, for someone to step up if, if you need someone? Yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's very true. The... The size that we are um, and the budget that the, the first team work off, um, we need to be self-sufficient as a club. We need to ensure that players that um, come into our programme at the youngest ages, the ones that are going to progress, they, they are supporting the first team. It's, it's, such a, it's not just for show or just because a club has to have or, or can choose to have an academy. They have one, as is, is and does have to be actually support the first team I mean personally I'm judged as, as the academy manager on the progression of players through to the first team um, to support them the other side of it is and we've we've had some success over the last few years with a few boys that have um, been taken on by um, big clubs Premier League clubs and, and they've bought them so um, that also is a way we can support the first team by those sales uh, and obviously the finances that brings so we, we play a big part um and the, the boys that have come through, uh, the fans like to see local lads. It's the same with Derby. You know, they want to see the local boys, any of the clubs. Um, and because our recruitment has to be local, we don't have big. Uh, typically, they are. And, um, yeah, it's always nice to see them on your own plane. You mentioned about um, not just signing, like going for the best players, the character. And when I've spoken to quite a few players before, that's been mentioned alongside Nigel Clough, that he has always gone signing the, the characters, the right kind of characters in the building and getting that in. Is that a, a Nigel, the influence of Nigel and, and what you've learned looking at that? It just strikes me that that's what I thought straight away. Yeah, it is. I mean, Nigel um, was obviously the manager when, when I came um, back to club from being as a, a player back in the early 2000s. And um, his his emphasis on good people as well as players, it, it's it's something that runs through the club. Um, we like to recruit we like to work with good people um character it doesn't mean there are a grade students at college all the time it, it, it can mean different things but ultimately they uh the boys who, who work hard they've got great work ethic um they listen they want to they want to take on the information um and you know those some of those behaviors and some of those uh those traits definitely come from from nigel's influence on on all of us as staff and and players so uh when jake was a manager up till christmas same kind of concept um and now uh, jimmy floyd hasselbank's come in you know the players are, are, are similar there's, there's there is definitely a club mindset on characters um at first almost uh and then, and then other attributes second um, but yeah, Ni Nigel's one of the biggest influences on, on my career, just as a person and, and what he uh, stands for is, is such a, yeah, it's important. It's important that you, you're grounded. It's important that 
Um, doesn't matter what you do, whether you're a manager, whether you're a player, um, someone who's working around the ground, we're all, we're all in it together to, to uh, do the best we can for the club. And um, yeah, he's, he's been a big influence on that. Yeah, I think it's sometimes underestimated from people from the outside how much of an effect and how much he's shaped what Burton Albion is now, isn't it? The, the, the effect he had and, and how he shaped what Burton is now compared to what to when you signed in, in the early 2000s, how the club's grown and, and that influence on it. Yeah, definitely, and and there's been there's been some um, some fascinating you know, progress if you look at it from the outside. You know, two years ago we got to the uh, the Carabao Cup semi final. You know, our, our little run with the FAU Cup with the 18s. There's inspiration we can draw off the first team from a couple of years ago, and the run that the club have been on recently with the the success that they've had since Christmas. And you look at um, you look at that those achievements like. Who'd have thought when we were in the conference back in those early mid two thousands that we'd be getting to the semi final uh, of the Carabao Cup and, albeit a challenging one at Man City, it was it was a, a memory. I, I went to the game. It was a memory that I will, will never never leave me. And um, I think that's something Nigel plays has played a massive part in that for the club, creating this history that. Uh, the club is no longer a non-league team, and and hopefully now with the progress that we're all making, um, and this including the first team in the academy, we're in the final sixteen of the FA Youth Cup. People even more so realise that you know we, we are a club that punches above our weight, and we're all doing some some good work here. In a, in a similar vein, do you see how you can take Burton Academy forward? Do you have a vision to do similar with the academy? That the first team has done on the pitch. You have you got a vision? Yeah, we do. I mean, our, our sole focus is developing players for the first team. That's mm. number one has to be our, our job. So we have a depth chart that goes through the age groups and we track players' progression. And it's loads of factors that we consider position and, like I mentioned before, their particular attributes um, and ensuring that the players have a genuine pathway. Now. Numbers that actually progress are limited. It's, it's known there's less than one percent percent progress into first team football and, and have a sustained professional career out of academy. So we know it's not easy, but we our vision is just to continue to do our very best to do that. And each year produce players that are going to support the first team. So if we if we keep that going, and if along the way we have a few sales of players that that keeps the chairman happy and the club happy. If we have a few uh, cup runs that um, the supporters enjoy seeing and, and seeing the progress that's made, then great. But fundamentally, as an academy, it's developing players for our first team. What what we also work really hard at is the lads who aren't successful, ensuring that they leave us whenever that might be as, um, let's say, better people. They've had life skills as well as football development. Um we, we're really big on the education side of things, making sure lads are, are working hard at school and college as well as their, their football. Um, we like to ensure that the boys are doing bits of charity work. We work closely with Matt Hancock and the Community Trust here and, and the bits and pieces that they do that are magnificent in the local community here. Um, so, yeah, as much as um, I've been harping on about the progress to the first team, uh, with the numbers and the percentage being so little, we do have a massive responsibility to the lads that aren't quite at that level and um, yeah, making sure that they they leave us um, with other skills that might um, might help them in their lives moving forward. Another big game in the next round as well. The draws just draws uh, spinning out just before I came on. The Villa, Villa away, that's not a bad one, is it? Yeah, unbelievable. Um so it's a little less of a journey uh, than down to Southampton. <laughs> um, I think that uh, having gone on the first team coach, I think a few of them would have preferred a further away trip. Uh, such a nice coach, but now we're excited. We we actually played Villa and drew with them in a pre-season game um, earlier this season, and um, you know, we know obviously there's a, there's a few players that played at Villa are now on our books. Um, and we have good relationships with them as a club, as as an academy. So, yeah, exciting. Looking forward to it. It's got to be. It's played before the seventeenth of April. We don't have a date yet, um, but uh, but it's something for the lads to to get excited about for sure. 
it's rewarding that hard work, isn't it? A little cup run like that. I remember um, my friends who were in academies and FA Youth Cup. It's uh, it's like the nice, the it, like you said earlier. It's their big, it's their time to shine, isn't it? To go and play at Villa Park and have their big day out, big night out, and it gives it that little taste, doesn't it? Oh, you're getting a chance to play um, at a Premier League stadium, and what a stadium, by the way! I mean, mm. St Mary's was amazing, um, Villa Park, so much history. Um, the games are are under light, so it's their evening matches. Uh, those, yeah, unbelievable experiences um, for players and the staff. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're all really excited. There's a, there's a few Villa fans in amongst the uh, the playing and coaching staff as well. So, uh, it'll be an interesting one to see how uh, see how their eyes are open walking out of Villa Park. Brilliant. I take us right back to where it started for you then, Dan. All them years ago, growing up in Derby. Where was where did the football career start? The the life in football start for you. Um, I started, I mean, I grew up in a nice little village um, just outside Belper, Duffield, and um, born in Belper. And my dad was actually a, a, a Premier League linesman. Um, I don't hold it against him now, but he, uh, <laughs> he was a referee and linesman. He, he, he got to the top of the game as a, as a lino. And um, I was fortunate. He used to take me to games, um, used to travel around with him. Um, I don't remember him getting too much stick, so he can't have been too bad at it. Uh, maybe I was just sheltered from it at the time. But it started off at, at you know I, I was around football from from the word go, and um, very very football orientated family. My brother he played. My younger uh, I've got two younger brothers. Adam he's the um, pro face coach at Derby County with the under 18 mm-hmm. there. Um, my youngest brother, he actually went down more of a refereeing route, um, and now he's, uh, he's he's working for the Ministry of Defence. And we've we've basically, as a family, always always had football um, mm. going through us. And started off playing for for Duffield Dynamos, and and then got picked up by Derby Boys. And played for Derby Boys for for a number of years, um, and then alongside that, at the time, you could play for both. I was playing for Derby County's what was Centre of Excellence back then. Um, with the likes of Marcus Tubguy and a um, few others that have, have ended up progressing and, and having careers, and uh, Lee Camp and a few others. And yeah, so, so it was at Derby through Schoolboy, and then I went to Black, got released, went to Blackpool. Two years as a scholar there. Um, amazing experience living up in the, um, the bright lights, South Shore, Blackpool. <laughs> Definitely was an eye opener for, for my lad from Duffield, I tell you. Um, but yeah, I grew up quickly um, and then left Blackpool, signed for Burton um, in 2001 and had four fantastic years uh, with, with Nigel and, and the guys then. And, and we, we got promoted to the champion, uh, sort of championship, to the, to the conference um, mm-hmm. and had a, had a, a wonderful, wonderful um, time. I, I then at the end of that, it was a bit crazy. I, I got an opportunity to go and play in New Zealand and I just went because I thought it was going to be a nice sunny trip for six weeks or so. I thought, oh, six weeks, end of the season. Um, guy who was playing for the team, John Howard at the time, uh, played there and he said, look, they're looking for a goalie. You fancy it? And I was like, yeah, New Zealand, it sounds tropical. Got off the plane, did a, like, this is how daft I was. I didn't realise it was the middle of winter there. Um, so I got off the plane and I was like, oh, cry, this is this is quite what I expected. But I fell in love with the place and um, loved every minute of it. Was there, 2004, for two and a half months, three months on loan. Um, really enjoyed it. And in 2005, I came back to, to Burton. And in 2005, beginning of 2005, I uh, got the opportunity to go there permanently, have residency there. Um, and uh, playing and, and running an academy, um, the club, the small club I was playing for, Gisborne City, had set up. So that was me. I packed my bags and off I went. Um, loved every minute of of that, those early years. It was unbelievable. I'd living the life um, over there on the beach, uh, as far away from Barbados as you could. <laughs> but yeah, it was great. And I'd always urge any players. Uh, who get an opportunity to go and explore the countries and play. I mean, it's difficult at the moment with COVID, but if you're thinking or coaches who want to go and explore the countries, it's it's definitely something you should consider. It's phenomenal. If you, anyone gets a chance to do it, um, I, yeah, I absolutely loved it. It was amazing. I had 12 years um, in New Zealand and um, met my wife, had my little boy over there. And yeah, it's it's a hell of a, a, hell of a country. Um, 
and I got a chance to do some coaching. So I was coaching when I was finishing my playing. Um, we had some great games. I played for a club over there, quite a big club called Waitakere United um, in the National League. And we went to the World Club Championships in 2008 uh, in Japan. And we were one game off playing Man U, which would have been nice. Um, we played in the Oceania Champions League, played in Fiji, Papua New Guinea, Solomon Islands. Vanuatu, all these crazy places, uh, the Oceania version of of the UEFA Champions League. Um, Tahiti, we flew to Tahiti for a game, got there, stayed over, preparing for the match. And there was a monsoon rainfall, game was f- called off, flooded pitch, flew back the next morning to New Zealand. The following weekend, flew back out to Tahiti, five hours. Amazing times. Wow. So crazy playing in playing in these we're playing the Oceania Champions League final in Papua New Guinea in 2010. I messed up for the goal, gutted. Uh, I blamed it on the sun. Um, there was 20,000 there. It was mental. Um, frogs bouncing on the pitch. Crazy times. Um, but yeah, so I had I was lucky enough to to go and do that. Uh, played played over there all the way through till when I left in 2016 but during that time I was also lucky enough to coach so I coached with the national women's team um, we went to Olympics in 2012 uh, here which was brilliant obviously coming back here mm. and we did quite well we got to this quarter final so off the back of that um, we ended up getting government funding for medal contenders for Rio so we had four year contracts as coaches my playing started to take a bit of a backward step then um, and that's how I got into coaching, I guess, management. I was assistant coach, started off as a goalkeeper coach and I, I became assistant coach for the national team. And then in 2016, I, I spoke to uh, the club here and at Burton and Nigel. And um, yeah, I managed to get the role as academy manager and not look back since. I've just been rambling for about five minutes. Apologies, pal. No, no, Red Up, Red it's from podcast. The more you talk, the better. <laughs> You're ruining my money for me. I'm not bothered. <laughs> I just realised I've not stopped. I... <laughs> That's your whole career. Anyway, it's been That's a pleasure. <laughs> I've just round it off, Bosh. Connect Red are a Midlands-based telecommunications company with branches in Cannock, Derby and Burton-on-Trent in partnership with Vodafone UK. Our shops are currently closed due to the pandemic, but we are here to help in any way we possibly can. Get in touch with us for any of your tech and communication needs, consumer or business, and we can tailor individual packages and cater for multi-bundle deals too. Visit us at connectred.co.uk. That's C-O-N-N-E-K-T-R-E-D and drop us a message. Is it difficult decisions come back? Do you know what? Some people have asked me this because why would you leave New Zealand to come back to England? Um, I told my wife we, we, all, we had a long chat about it obviously Kiwi and said well how about we, we go for an adventure to this beautiful place called Darbados um, it's the middle of England uh, fantastic nowhere near the seaside but I tell you what it's got a lovely river the Derwent um, we'll, we'll get ourselves up there for two years for a bit of an adventure and uh, that was how I sold it anyway five years later we're still here and um, yeah she's lecturing at Nottingham Trent Uni now so she she's settled in but I kind of, I kind of looked at it at the time in 2016. My contract was expiring with the national team. I decided I wanted to explore some other opportunities, and this one came up. Obviously, a place I love. Chairman's been really good to me. Um, obviously, working with Nigel again was was a no-brainer. So, um, yeah, I, I kind of I made my mind up quite quickly that this was an exciting opportunity, and I wanted to. I want if I wasn't going to come back for playing. I was wanting if I was going to come back, I was going to be in football and doing something that I, I felt was going to be worth dragging my family to the other side of the world. Um, so I'm a resident in New Zealand, so I can go back. Well, not at the moment, obviously, because of COVID, but um, I, can't, I kind of settled back here now. And I, I actually love, as I say, I love what I do with Burton, but I also, um, you know, I like living in Milford. It's a nice little part of the world. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's 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 cool being back in Europe as well, or, or where football is just at the forefront. Mm. In New Zealand, it wasn't. Um, football is is huge, it's big big sport uh, followed massively, and it's increased a lot since I was there. But it's not as um, it's not the number one sport. So you open up the paper, for example, and 
rugby would dominate the back three or four pages and then you'd get to the football side. When I moved back, I realised like the football side of things is, is from when I grew up as such a part of your life and when you've got it, it kind of makes it makes things feel like the right thing to do. Um, but yeah, my wife wouldn't agree with that all the time. We do miss, the, you... We do miss the beach. <laughs> You've got Skeggy in Blackpool up the road. Yeah, five. <laughs> um, how did you first end up at Burton being released from Blackpool for to play on the playing side of things? So you, you like you finish your scholarship at Blackpool and then come straight to Burton. Just is Clough tapped you up to, to come? How did that come about? Yeah, it's funny because you know a lot of what we have to do now um, in the academy world is around player care, supporting the players. Um, their kind of mental well-being and, and safeguarding and all, all these really key aspects, <coughs> excuse me, of of helping young people be the best they can be, um, other than the football. When I got released from Blackpool, it was literally I walked in a room with Steve McMahon, who was a manager at the time. Um, he said, right, we won't be offering you a contract. Uh, put his hand out, wish you all the best. That wow. was it. So, but luckily, Paul Simpson at the time was, was playing for mm. Blackpool. Um, and Simo and I had got on well um, and he said to me look I know a few people and he, he knew a guy called Steve Booth at, at Burton who obviously was a direct link to, to Nigel and I'll never forget it I got a phone call um, from, from Nigel Clough um, yeah, back in 2001 asking me if I wanted to come for pre-season training on, on trial and uh, I, at first I didn't think it was him I thought it was one of the lads winding me up um, and then obviously realised it was him, so I took it serious. And, and yeah, I did uh, pre-season. Um, obviously, I'd, I'd explained to Simo that I wanted, if, if possible, to, to move back to Derby. Uh, I was living, obviously, in Blackpool at the time. And he, yeah, he was great. And I, I came and did all right. Um, they had a great goalkeeper, Matt Duke, at the time. Went mm-hmm. on to play in the Premier League for Hull. Um, good friend of mine. And he, he'd been... Um, Obviously, he was the number one, and I'd come in as this 19-year-old kind of number two and learn my trade. And I was quite happy to do that because I saw how how well ran the club was. It was an exciting time because obviously Unibom Premiership at the time, but there were obviously some good players in that group, so it was exciting. And, and we got promoted that first year, and I was a part of it. And it was, it, yeah, it was brilliant. So. Yeah, I didn't really look back after that. I had four years. I, I played one game in the league, in the conference, where I got sent off after an hour. Uh, I don't know if you're going to bring that up or not. Was that, was that a Scarborough? Yeah, Scarborough. <laughs> yeah, so a highlight and low light of my entire UK playing career in one. Um, yeah, came out the area to clear a ball and wipe the centre forward out. Uh, he wasn't going to send me off, the ref wasn't. Uh, but then the crowd started getting on his case and then it was, yeah, right, he pulled out the red instead of the yellow. So, and I had three games because it was violent conduct. <laughs> Mental. Um, and then Lee Camp came in and did well. Uh, and then by the time my suspension had got up, Juki was back fit again and I was back on the bench. So, yeah, it was short. My actual league, I played in all the, like, the... Um, senior cup games and the the friendly matches but my actual league appearance was limited to one based on based on that situation so funny how football works out in it because i remember it was uh, was it seven four against telford one of the games camp you played in uh, yeah. yeah that was during that spell as well wasn't it bloody hell, i've never seen a never seen a game like it <laughs> that was right <laughs> uh, they, were, they were big back then weren't they telford they had they yeah. had some, yeah they had some big hitters and uh, some some big money backers so but yeah, it's, they, it's funny now, look back on those times, it was yeah, amazing, amazing memories. I mean, Aaron Webster, who I played with at the time, is he works with us now in the Community Trust in Player Care. And um, we reminisce all the time on some of the stuff that uh, we got up to and some of the games that we played and some, some unbelievable times in those early 2000s, unbelievable times. And I loved it. And I only left because of this amazing opportunity to go to New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Um, which again I don't regret because it was it was a pretty cool opportunity Did you know at the time that Burton would go on and be, do well and maybe get into the league was there that feel about the club that something special might happen or was the conference at the time because I remember when they first got into in the conference it was the first year just it was like stay, they just stayed up didn't, or you just stayed up um, and it's obviously difficult for Burton to go into the conference at that time to never 
been there, but did you feel like there was something building? Yeah, definitely with Nigel at the helm. Um, he attracted players. I mean, he, you know, he, nothing to do with me. He, he, he was he was one of those people that when he picked up the phone and you, you got a call from Nigel Clough, you were like, oh, yeah, you wanted to play for him. Um, so you knew when I left in 2005, the club, were, it, was on, it was on the rise. You're right, it was a challenge. Those first few years in the conference, we were semi-pro-pro. We were training in the daytime. Um but obviously, financially, it wasn't like what some of the other clubs were at. Um, and you, But you could tell with the way that the club was being run. Um, it was the year they were building the Pirelli. So the stadium now was, was just being built. So there was progress being made off the pitch. Um, and I was not that... I'll be honest, I wasn't surprised when they, they, they crept up and progressed into the league. What was a bit of a, a obviously a wowzers moment was when they got promoted to the championship um, the year before I arrived, and you're just thinking, blimey, that you know the club of the size it, it was and is with the town to be playing in the championship and competing with these teams week in week out. I mean that first year, my first and second year, 2016, 17, 18 years mm -hmm. here, you know, you, you, I remember Newcastle coming here, and my God, there, there was. You know, seven thousand, I think the capacity is, but it felt like there was like twenty thousand. Just a lot of them were Geordies, but the the teams like that that weren't coming for a cup game, they were coming for a league match. Just we were going toe to toe with these teams. Unbelievable for the size that we are, and you know, that, those are those things I talked before around the inspiration for the young lads and understanding how special it is to get to go and play these big games as in the cup. Um, you know, and back then it was week in, week out we'd be playing. Amazing, amazing progression. Beating Derby at Pirelli Stadium, beating Forest, beating some big results as well. I think Derby never beat. Did Derby beat Burton in the Championship in the two? I don't think they did, did they? I don't think, don't think we did. Don't don't think they did. We. Um, I remember going to the game at the at the at Pride Park. It was nil nil, and honestly, you couldn't. It was like literally, they were like a wall. Mm. But in front of the Burton goal, I'll never forget it. Um, and that a game at home when Sean Barker, who's one of our coaches now, he came on um, in the last five minutes. It was, it was such a special, special evening for every reason. Um, but yeah, I mean, I grew up as a Derby fan through and through. You know, I'd travel a game, as I say, I played for, for the uh, Centre of Excellence and then later at the academy for, for five, six years. So, you know, you're always kind of torn a little, but, you know, with Burton at the time, Burton versus Derby, pre-season friendlies, mm. occasional cup game, not league matches. Yeah. Oh, incredible, incredible times, yeah. Um, I remember Box came on and he told the story about, I think, I can't remember who the other coach was, but it was, um, someone was showing him some notes or something and Box, and then I think Nigel just came over and went, just win the fucking header. <laughs> and he did and he went straight on and won the header at the near post and basically won the yeah. game. yeah. <laughs> Exactly. And and what's brilliant, obviously, is journey to get to that point with his injury. And I mean, what a, what a guy mm. to have around our young players, by the way. So his his job is player performance coach. So he works with the eight teams predominantly, but filters down through all the age mm. groups and works with them individually. A bit of a mentor, but also obviously a really top coach um, working with Sam Rose, the, the pro phase lead. And, you know, if a lad is feeling sorry for themselves or they've got a little injury they're struggling with, or some of the lads who've had bigger injuries, him and his kind of way he is anyway, I'm sure you've met him and he, how he is, he's just brilliant for the boys to have as someone, you know, you, you, you know his story and you think, wow. And he came, when he came and played that game, he talked about, he, you know, we talk a lot about what your strengths are, you know, uh, why are you in the building as a young player? Mm. Well, that is an example. He comes off the bench. He was one job he wanted to come on for. Make yeah. sure you clear the box. Head it, kick it, clear it. You know, he wasn't coming on for any other sentiment. It was literally that job. And he did it and he smashed it and he, and he ended up winning the game. Incredible. Yeah, he's, he's, he is a real role model uh, for a lot of people. Is um, Stevie Bywater still doing a little bit? He mentioned when he came on a few months back that he was uh, doing the odd day. Big Steve, yeah, what a guy, what a guy, yeah, he's, he's a has top man. Has he sold you a cap yet? <laughs> he gave me one, he actually gave me one, I was chuffed a bit. Um, no, he, he, uh, he works with our goalies, yeah, he, he's another one, um, 
You know, he's a, a top man. He's very, very good with the, the young lads. Like such a another another person to have around that's been there, done it. Um, has a wonderful manner, um, and his energy and enthusiasm just rubs off on on the young goalies. We've had we've had some success with the goalies through the academy for the last few years, and you know these these kind of people around it make a big difference. Eric Steele does a lot with us. Um, Steely's a really good friend of mine. Yeah, I was lucky enough to, to be coached by him for for five years at Derby, and when I went to New Zealand, he was good enough to come over and deliver some sessions for for wow. New football and. Um, yeah, he's, he, he, him, people like that around the boys. Just it's what has, has helped us, I think. It's back to that character, but having good people around, um, not just names, but good people mm. who all kind of work hard together. You know, you end up uh, you end up doing all right out of it. He really is the guru, isn't he, Steely? Oh, he's magnificent! What a guy! He's One of the best it. in the world, isn't he? I would say, you know, with your goalie hat on, my goalie hat on, you wouldn't get much better. People, having obviously worked the other side of the world, people talk about him the same as what we're talking about him here now. So that says something. Australia, New Zealand, you know, they, they, they refer to him as, as the guru. I mean, you, you work as long as you do, as he did with Sir Alex, um, with the very best in the world, uh, and you're still doing it now. Brilliant. Just going back to you quickly, if you look back at everything you've done to be where you sat where you are now, do you think you'd have done it without having the, well, one, the taking the big step of going to New Zealand and two, having the presence of mind to to get into coaching and thinking, right, I've got to do something for when football finishes? Because I've had quite a few ex-players on that go, I never really thought about it. And then one day you're not playing and you've got to try and find something. Whereas you had the presence of mind to be doing bits while still playing and, and planning ahead. Do you think that's that's what's worked out to get you where you are? I, I think it it plays a part to not get too carried away with the the moment, like enjoying the moment. So, you know, when when I went to New Zealand, I knew um, that I was I was given an opportunity that a lot of people would have done would have worked really hard to get. And I was fortunate because I was at Burton because there was someone who knew me and said, "Look, we'll take." So I, I was fortunate to get an opportunity and then making the most of that opportunity. It sounds a bit fluffy, but mm. I didn't go into it with like, you know, a, um, it's like a blase approach. I thought, right, I want to make the most of this. So I was given a chance to, to lead a little academy that the club had set up and I wanted it to be the best it possibly could be. And uh, I put the same energy and effort into that as I was into my training to be player. Um, and then when, there was an opportunity a little uh, through through somebody I'd played with to coach the national women's under-20s team initially, um, just volunteering. Um, I kind of took it as, right, that's another opportunity I've been gifted, so I want to make the most of it. Um, and I kind of went with that approach with everything and you know, just took nothing for granted, never had any kind of regrets on that and just put absolutely everything into whatever it was I was thrown in front of me. Because I, I kept thinking there'll be people, uh, loads of, of my mates, teammates, colleagues that haven't had these chances. So for me to kind of not do it with full intent and, and a real, uh, give it absolutely everything, then, um, you know, I think that's a bit unfair on potential people who don't get the chances I've had. Uh, and, and similar with what we're doing here, you know, uh, um, I guess... I'm, I'm pretty demanding, um, but I, but I, I love every minute of it. And you know, with our staff, I think they, they all work super hard. Um, and you know, the times we're in at the moment, COVID aside, with the results with the cup, with some player progression, it kind of makes it worthwhile. Um, I, I, I tap into people like uh, so Darren Wassell at Derby's, a really good friend of mine. And you know, you speak to Wass, who's been doing my job for years and years and years, and you go, well, you, you've got to kind of make the most of, of the small wins you get and mm -hmm. the opportunities you get to, to have a little bit of success because there's a lot of a lot of um, hardship and, and in the academy world, as I say, you're releasing more players than you're mm -hmm. signing and that comes with quite a lot of pressure. Um, but again, the boys who are in those opportunities, have those opportunities, you need to grab them. So we always say never 
in a game of limited opportunities, never limit your opportunities. Just grab every chance you get. And if if I can kind of install a bit of that into our players and stuff, then you know we'll, we'll all do all right and, and keep our keep ourselves in in a, a space that we're enjoying what we're doing. Is it sometimes difficult if you've got a lad who's not quite there that you've got to let go? Like, if, or you think, oh, they've got some. You might, must have to make some really difficult decisions on and. There's pressure on you because it could shape someone's life and career. I will allow it shaped to you with leaving Blackpool. And do you feel like there's a bit of pressure on it? Yeah, I, I guess it's a game of opinions, right? Mm. So, what isn't right necessarily for us at that time, for whatever reason, when we have to make one of those difficult decisions on a player, we always say will likely not be the same opinion as somebody else. Mm. So, you know, you can't just think that Burton Albion is the be-all and end-all. There's, there's other chances to go and do other things. When I got released from Derby at 16, um, I remember writing to 91 league clubs um, to ask for a trial. I think I got four back. I went to Shrewsbury, Port Vale, and Coventry, which I didn't go to the end, and then Blackpool. And I had a sentimental reason to go to Blackpool because my grand and granddad... Um, would go on holiday there all the time, and it was somewhere yeah. that uh, we had some family holidays. And I kind of, I kind of was drawn to there. Um, but the, the point of, you know, not um, that effort to go and to, to give herself my chance that actually, you know, just because I wasn't right for Derby, they signed Lee Grant at the time to replace me. So, on hindsight, it's not <laughs> okay. I'll take that. So uh, knowing that actually, believing myself a bit, give myself a chance. If I really want to be a footballer, I can't, nothing's going to be given to me. I've got to really kind of grab that chance and, and put myself out there. So I did. And we kind of put that message across to the boys that you know, it's nothing we see. And I've seen in five years now, plenty of players that we've released playing for other professional academies against us. It's, it's a great feeling because you see that they've not given up. They've won... And someone else has given him a chance. And nine times out of ten, they come after a game, shake your hand and say, you know, um, how's things going? Be good. And, and the, the kind of feeling of, you know, you played a part in their journey. It's not worked with us, but they've had a chance to go somewhere else. Is, is for us a really positive thing. Um, it's not everybody's mindset. I think sometimes pressure gets to players. Um, mm-hmm. They realise that actually once they get a negative decision, they, they don't like that. And that's not really what... They'd rather just just play in a more less pressurised situation, um, which is fine. And there's plenty of players that, that reach their potential early in the, in the academy world. Um, but yeah, in a long-winded answer to your question, it's, it's difficult. It's difficult releasing players. Um, no one likes to do it. You'd love to see your whole under-18s, this squad we've got at the moment, such a cracking group of lads and players. We'd love to see them all in the first team in the next two years. It's not going to happen. No. You've got to be realistic. And, yeah, it's it's the pathway for them after the releases. How do we, what do we do to support them? What clubs do we talk to, local or, or otherwise? We now also have to deal with agents. So you have agents involved with players. So then you're trying to support the player through them around what opportunities they can take um, beyond beyond us. Um, yeah, it's there's, there's a lot of work that goes into that kind of exit route, I guess you could call it, uh, for the ones who don't progress. Is it an attractive trait if you're looking at a player that, that's come to you and they've been released and they're, they're still going at it and you think, right, this lad ain't giving up? Do you sometimes, would you look at him and go, right, he's got something about him, he's not giving up and that's an attractive trait in a player? Yeah, definitely. You know, Joe Sabara, Reese Hutchinson, uh, Marcus Harness, mm-hmm. um and think of some of the others that have progressed to our academy. Matty Palmer, I think, originally was at Derby very early. These boys that uh, have progressed to our academy, we they came to us at some point having been released. So Joe and Reese were both released by West Brom, um, under 14's kind of age. They came to Burton before I, I was here. They got a new lease of life and they kicked on. They've had that kind of period of, um, I guess, uh, resilience building from mm. having a setback. It's quite often difficult if you've got a lad that's come all the way through 
and then you get to the end and they're not quite at the level because they haven't experienced that. They're the ones that it's, it's you kind of worry for as such, but you do you do think right, we really need to support this player and what their next chapter is because they haven't experienced that setback. They've probably been the best player at school, probably been um, talked about as being the best player because they've been at a pro academy for so long. The ones who've had setbacks previously, they come back with a resilience and a mindset of, you know, I'll prove them wrong or, mm. you know, I am good. And, and yeah, you see those, you often see those guys kick on. You really do. What's the one piece of advice you'd give a, a young player as, a, as an academy manager for someone who's, if someone's young listening that's wants a career in the game? I think take it back to that saying of, of a game of limited opportunities because they are they are limited you know, to get to that, that next chapter. Never limit your opportunity to, to be the best you can be. So it could be everything from making sure your boots are clean, um, making sure that you get a good night's sleep before a game um, or training. Um, if a coach gives you some a little bit of advice for you to do something to improve on, you, you take it, you listen you grab that opportunity to be better um, because the ones who just kind of turn up, they're not the ones who progress. It's the ones who do that a little bit more, the ones who grab every chance. A little story a few years ago, we had um, a reserve game. Um, it was away at uh, Wrexham, funnily enough. We had a young young team going in the reserve game. Marcus Harness played up front, um, is now at Portsmouth. And the rest of the team was, was young. And we had two centre-forwards and we decided we were going to go with the under-18 centre-forward to take. And the other lad was going to be given an opportunity to travel and um, up to him whether he travelled or not. So we said to him, would you like to come to, to the game? Um, you can do the warm-up, it's Wrexham away, not the most glamorous, but you can do the warm-up, be a part of it. And he said, oh, I'm okay, actually. I'm, I'm going to stay at home. It's um, wow. my mate's birthday. So there was some like excuse or reason. And, and at the time, we went, okay. It was an optional for the lads who weren't in the squad to travel. He chose not to. In the warm-up, that centre-forward got injured. We ended up having to play a midfielder who ended up being, I think it was Joe Sabaro, who then progressed off that game to play in the championship before the end of the season. So if that centre-forward had travelled, he would have been on the bench or played. And you never know whether that reserve game might have kicked him off. Now, that's that kind of moment where you go, he made that choice to, nah, I'm not in the squad. I've, he might have felt a bit sorry for himself, whatever it might have been as a reason. But something else was more important. And sometimes they're like, I get that. But in that one moment, and when you saw what transpired after, and I remember saying to him a few days later, I says, you see, you see that so-and-so got injured in the warm-up. He says, yeah. He says, I would have been playing, wouldn't I? I says, yeah, you would have. As he would have. So that would have been a chance maybe for you to kick on because there was a few people watching that day. Um, and that's, that's I guess, the point of never limit your opportunities when you give them one. And, you know, it's a classic in this world. I say to the boys all the time, you never know who's watching. You never know. So whatever you're doing, whether it be the way that you arrive at a ground, the way that you warm up, the way that you sit on the bench and you're being because you're feeling sorry for yourself or whatever it might be, you never know who's watching. And you know, when when I go to games and watch players, I've been to the race course, uh, watched my little boy play, and we've signed lads because I've been walking the dog around, and I've seen lads and they've just had such energy on the pitch. We've invited them in on a trial, and we've signed them, and that happens all the time. I've, just me doing it it's scouts all sort of people. and that's the point of you never know who's watching mm. it, it, i remember reading this a while ago so correct me if i'm wrong but when you first signed for burton in the unibond there's only three subs weren't there so you would still travel and maybe not even be on the bench each oh week. regularly yeah, yeah yeah i regularly would nigel would only really put me in that first year it was only in the cup games i was on the bench um fa cup fa trophy um but i traveled to every game um one, you kind of was expected to travel, but two, okay. I want I wanted to be involved, Blake. I wanted to be yeah. I wanted to be around it, and I didn't want to miss a chance. If Juki got injured, and when I was at Blackpool, in the reserves, we played against Stockport County, and it was my seventeenth birthday, and Phil Barnes got injured in the warm up, and I played that game. 
since that day, I realised like you never know. You've mm. always got to be ready. So always be ready to play because I'm kind of uh, I, I never got a chance up until that Scarborough game to actually to get a, a first team proper league appearance and a conference appearance and I um you know I put myself in a position to be available for that and you know it's not rocket science but I guess it's just kind of an attitude of you know I want to be I want to be there for the chance I don't want to miss out. Mm. A bit of a, yeah. a bit of FOMO for, for the yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to miss out. I wanted to be there for it. So if there was a chance that I was going to get involved, I'd be there. And and you want yeah, young players to kind of have that same attitude of, you know, um, grab any chance you can. And Nigel would have been watching each week saying, no, Dan's good attitude again, not involved, but still, obviously. And you've got to be as good as you can be before the game. If you're warming up with Juki to make Matt Duke as good as he can be. So Nigel would have been watching that as well. And that stands you in good stead. I think so. And I think, you know, whether or not I was going to be good enough to play for the first team regular, you know, I, I ended up going down a different avenue to the other side of the world to get a game. So you, know, you could say, well, you were never going to play anyway, Dan. You, you had to go to the other side of the world to play. Um, but I, I always thought as well that if you're doing the right thing and you seem to be doing the right thing, and, you know, that there's sometimes things bigger than, than, um, than, yourself and the playing and just doing the right thing to support Juki. I thought, you know, it, in those early days, you're never really thinking necessarily about coaching, but I did have aspirations. I, I did a little, a few goalie sessions um, when I was at Blackpool for, for the Centre of Excellence then. And I'd set up a thing in Worksworth that I was doing um, basically off the back of, of the inspiration from Eric Steele. Um, so I, I kind of was always thinking I was interested in what the goalie coach was doing. So as much as I was wanting to be seen and, and around it and a, an opportunity came, I also was kind of conscious of, well, this this is actually helping me develop in other areas as well. Mm. Um, I was coaching um, for Derby County in the community as well at, um, part-time. So all the bits you're doing, you're kind of trying to grab as much as you can off, off every occasion. It's been absolutely brilliant. Good luck in the uh, in the next round, Aston Villa. Hopefully, another big win, and uh, we'll get you back on in the in the future, Dan. If you're up for it, have another catch up. Blake, it's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Um, yeah, love 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 the work you're doing, and um, yeah, thanks for that. And we're looking forward to uh, seeing how far we go. And you know, um, you're welcome down here when you can. You're welcome, <laughs> really anytime, pal. So stay in touch, and um, yeah, keep up the great work, buddy. Brilliant. Cheers, Dan. Take care of yourself, mate. Cheers, mate. Cheers, mate.